Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Well, good morning. I had a number of you express concerns that you didn't think I could get from Conroe to here because of the water. I explained to a couple people, I got a 14-foot John boat. I'm going to get here. I may be a little bit late, but I'm going to get here. Happy Mother's Day. I tell you what, what a great day to be able to come together as a church family this past week. I was able to spend some time with your pastor search committee, and I am very excited for you because this committee continues to impress me with the passion and the commitment that they have to discover God's will and be faithful to it. And so you're in good hands, and we're all looking forward to the day in which they bring us that final report. Also, I got to spend time with your deacon body. And I'm always grateful for these men. They love your church. They love you. They love the widows in this church. They love the people. And I watch this. They pray together as they share together. And it says a lot about a church to have the caliber of deacons this church has. And so I'm very grateful for the deacons and the families that are being served by them. Today we are focused on the doctrine of what the Bible has to say to us about the family. The Bible talks to us about the family as God's best intention for the creation of healthy relationships and a lifetime of support and encouragement. And as much as I would like to talk to you about the family as a whole, if you don't mind, in honors of Mother's Day, I just want to talk about mothers and just spend a little time talking about the impact a mother can have in the life of a family. And to do that, I'm going to ask us to look to the book of Luke in just a moment, and we're going to look at a teenage mother, but I just want to say very quickly how grateful I am to have my mother here today. She's trying to hide. She's right over there. Wave, Mom, so they know I was born. But you know, if, if you want to know who taught me how to passionately love God's Word and value the Old Testament, there she is. Mothers teach us a lot, don't they? My mother taught me some lessons. But this wouldn't be the right place for me to share those with you. <laughs> but I did inquire with other people about lessons that their mothers taught them. So, for instance, one person said, My mother taught me how to become an adult. She said, If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Another one said, my mother taught me what I needed to know about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes that way, they'll get stuck. <laughs> one said, my mother taught me about anticipation. She would say, just wait until your father gets home. <laughs> and then my favorite, my mother taught me logic. She said, if you fall off that swing and break your neck, don't come crying to me. You know, there's a lot of lessons that mothers teach us, but there are lessons that we can learn by looking at some of the mothers in Scripture. In particular, I want to draw our attention to a very important mother, a teenage mother, the mother that God selected out of all the people in the world and said, she is the one 
that will bear my son. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45, we hear the story of a teenage mother by the name of Mary. And upon hearing the news that she was with child, that as the Holy Spirit came upon her, that she would be bearing the Messiah, the Bible tells us that she got up and that she walked some 70 miles to go see her Aunt Elizabeth because she had been told something special about her too. And as she entered in, we read in Luke 1 what is transpired between these two women, both soon-to-be mothers, that God was doing an amazing thing in both of their lives. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word, as we look at what your word has to say to us, may we be sensitive this day to the value of mothers. And Lord, I'm I'm aware that there are people in this room that their heart aches because they wanted to be a mother and things did not happen the way they hoped. There are some that are in this room that the children that they bore preceded them and they, they're hurting. And I pray that you would comfort and encourage them and that God, that you would be there to remind them of your presence and your mercy and your love. But as we look at Mary and Elizabeth, but particularly at Mary, Lord, let us be mindful of the lessons that we can learn from her because she, as an amazing young woman, was the one you chose, is the one with faith, the one who would show us characteristics that we need in each of our lives. For we pray it in the holy and precious name of Jesus, amen. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 39, it says this. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a, cha- to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, which would be the future John the Baptist we talked about last week, the Bible says leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, and the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, that is quite a greeting. I don't think that greeting had ever happened before on this earth. And here Elizabeth is looking out at Mary and is seeing in her the faith to believe what God has promised her was taking place. And Mary's response in Luke 1, 46 is this. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy... It's for those who fear him from one generation to another. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate. For he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. 
in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Now think about those are the words that are coming out of a teenage mother. There are things about Mary that become so evident so quickly. It is so clear very quickly that she is a godly young woman, that she had the favor of God upon her life. It's also very clear that she was immersed in Scripture. She would have been taught Scripture. She would have memorized it. She would have sung it. It would have been part of her daily life. And much like the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, it would have been something that would have flowed out of her because just like you might be able to sing a song that's on the radio, she would have been able to know and to sing the Scripture that she had hidden in her heart. And all of that is flowing through her as she comes in and she reaches to this point of conversation. We know that she was faithful to God, and we know that because of the choices she made before this point and all the choices she would make after that point. And also, the Bible says clearly that the Lord filled her with his Holy Spirit. This was not an ordinary teenage girl. But don't take away from the fact of her youth. Don't take away from the struggles that she also had to deal with because she made a choice about her circumstances. She chose to be positive about them instead of negative because it would have been really easy for her to be negative about this moment in her life because her life literally had been turned upside down. I mean, think about it with me. She was in the middle of getting married. She was walking through the steps and the process, waiting for that wedding day that was coming. And in the middle of that, she now finds herself with child with a story about how it happened that probably very few people would ever believe in her hometown. Even her own husband to be, Joseph, who loved her, when he heard the news the Bible says he quietly, prayerfully contemplated how he might put her away or divorce her quietly as to not embarrass her. And the Lord came to him in a dream and said, no, this is from me. Trust me. She was facing a lifetime of whispers and innuendo and questions about her character. But she trusted God. She trusted God with her reputation. She trusted God to be faithful to what he promised. And she decided, I'm not going to pay attention to the whispers. I'm going to stay focused in the voice of the one who spoke to me. I trust him. How does she do it? Well, in her response, I think there's three things that we can grab hold of that we can learn from her and that we can apply to our own life. The first lesson is this. Mary knew that God had a plan and a purpose for her life. She knew it. She knew that God had a plan and a purpose for her life. She says in verse 46 of Luke 1, 
And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and is holy is his name. Mary knew that what was happening here was part of God's bigger plan of what he was doing in this world, and that she was fulfilling a purpose that had been prophesied about hundreds and hundreds of years before. And you need to know this. Not only does God have a purpose and a plan for Mary's life, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has things he wants you to be part of that he's calling you out to be part of. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That literally the Bible tells us that God has things that he has ordained for us to be involved in, and he's waiting for us to say yes. He's waiting for us to take that step. He's waiting for us to get engaged because he has a plan for us, but we have to say yes to his plan. Growing up, one of the things that I, I learned very early about my mother was she was artistic. We went through all kinds of stages. We went through the toll painting stage and the black ink etch stage, and we went through, I mean, it, it, there was always some arts and crafts happening in our house. But I can remember in the early 70s that she was part of this monthly subscription plan where they would mail you a box, and it had a kit in it. I'm just curious, are there any other kit people in this room? You were part of that cult group? No. Okay. But the kit would come in, and then you would assemble it, and then you were able to create something. Matter of fact, I still have one of those things that she made. It was a decoupage board, and I've still got one of those. But here's something I learned. If you didn't open the box, you couldn't get to the kit. And that reading the instructions didn't necessarily make it appear that you actually had to open it, read it, follow it, do the work, and there it was. And I will tell you, we have way too many people in church that God's sending you the kit of opportunity, and maybe you've even read the instructions, but you're not touching it yet. I just want to ask you, can God send opportunity toward you and you Find yourself ready to say, let me get at it. I want to touch it. I want to do it. If we're not careful, we'll just be stacking boxes of opportunity. And we'll miss the moment that we're in, waiting for something bigger to come along. I will tell you, God often uses small things. God often uses small obediences to lead you to greater opportunity. Because the Bible says, if he can trust you with little, he'll trust you with much. Where's God asking you to trust him today? Mary was committed to the works of God happening in her life. The second thing is, Mary knew that God takes care of those that are humble in heart 
or as the ESV says, of a humble estate. It says in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. The word there for a humble heart or a humble estate actually means that you are living at a place in your own heart that you're walking with humility, that you're walking with the understanding that but for the grace of God go I, that when you see faltering in other people that you aren't immediately critical, but that you immediately realize that you need to pray for them, that you need to encourage them, and that you need to walk alongside them. I will tell you, nobody woke up this morning and said, I want to go through the rain and find a church to go visit that will be highly critical of everything in my life. But they would like to know that if I'm real with you, and I show you where I'm struggling, that you'll come alongside me, you'll put your arm around me, and you'll say, I can walk with you through this. We have people that have faced the same thing. Listen, can I pray for you? Can I walk with you? Because I want you to hear, the Lord walked with me, and what he did for me, he'll do for you. The Bible says she was humble in heart. That she, It is the demonstration of a character that is found in the Son of God. The Bible says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. In Philippians 2, 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. So the Bible gives us this picture of understanding of how we're to walk together and says, listen, your example is Jesus. Your example, your primary example is always Jesus. And don't be looking at your neighbor and saying, well, at least I'm as humble as you are. Or looking at somebody else and saying, well, I know I'm more humble than you are. But rather look at Jesus and say, I want to live like Jesus did. And he poured himself out, not grasping onto the glory that he deserved, but rather said, I will walk among them. I will serve them. I will love them. I'll die for them. Because he loves us. And the Lord is still looking for people like Jesus demonstrated in John 13. That when everybody else is worried about the position at the table, that he took the towel and wrapped it around himself and he took the basin and he took the water and he began to wash their feet. He didn't announce it. He just did it. And our neighbors need us to wash their feet. Our, our people that we work with need us to be ready to wash their feet. The, the people that we go to school with, they need us to be ready to wash their feet. And I know that I'm talking about it figuratively, but I will tell you, literally, they need to know that you have the heart that says, if I have to get on my knees to serve you, I'm getting on my knees because Jesus got on his knees first.
And by the way, we're talking about an attitude of a heart. I know that some of you, I'm looking at you and I know this. If you get on your knees to pray, you need to stay there for a while and have your whole list. Because getting up would be a little bit tougher. <laughs> I understand that. But I want you to hear that you can tell the attitude of somebody's heart. One of my favorite little comics was Dennis the Menace. And there's this one I'll never forget where Dennis is sitting in his rocking chair in the corner. And he leans over and he says to his mother, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. I want you to hear that God wants us to stand up with knees bent. To serve each other in love. And to demonstrate the grace and mercy of his son to the people he puts us around. There's one other thing Mary teaches us. Mary knew that God always keeps his promises. Always. In Luke 154, she says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary knew that God was going to take care of her, that he was never going to fail her. Mary made a choice that she would live her life in a God-centered fashion, not in a self-centered fashion. And the key to Mary's heart is found in the words of Elizabeth in verse 45. Elizabeth said this, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Elizabeth looked at her and says, you know something? Here's one thing I know about you, Mary. You believe God. You have believed what God has spoken to you today. You believe what God has promised you. And I just want to ask you today a very simple question. What has God asked you to believe him for? What has he asked you to trust him in? What is it that God has been speaking to your heart that he is calling out to you saying, just trust me, just trust me? I wonder about that for people that have never taken that first step to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And God calls to you and he says, just come to me, come to me. Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. The Bible says that Jesus is calling us and wants us in that relationship. Or it could be another decision that you need to make, whether it's following the Lord in scriptural baptism or in some other way. But you know what I'm struck with? I'm struck with how many of us have prayer requests that we have been speaking and praying and asking and asking and asking. And maybe even on this Mother's Day, you, you have thought about a child or you've thought about a friend or a relative, and you've been saying, Lord, when, when, when? Will you answer this prayer? And I want you to hear something. I want you to hear that God has heard every prayer you've ever prayed. God knows the hunger of your heart and the desire that you have for that person to come to faith or for that person to come back and to love the Lord with all they are. He has heard your prayer, but you've got to keep just trusting. Just keep trusting. And so I'm not sure where you are today, but I know this. The God who spoke to Mary is the God who speaks to us today. The God who reaches out to you and I says to you and I, trust me today. And so in just a few moments when we stand up together and we pray together, I'll ask you that question again. Where is God asking you to trust him today? Would you stand with me? Let's pray.
Holy God, you have called us to trust you. You have called us to be faithful to you. And Father, there have been times when it's just been so hard to believe that it could ever be different. It's been hard to believe and to trust that the matter that we have brought before you, that it can be so challenging, can be one that is answered in prayer. But today we're calling to you, and we're asking you, Lord, to hear our prayer. Father, Son, have never embraced Christ as their Savior, and I pray today would be the day that they would reach out and say, Lord, here I am. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart to become my Lord and Savior. And Father, there may be other needs that are in this congregation, but I know that you are going to meet needs. So Father, we ask for your will. We ask God that we would trust you. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, just a few moments as we begin to sing, the deacon families will be here at the front, and they will be available to you right outside these doors. There's a glass uh, wall that behind that's a place that we can visit with you as well. But I'm just mindful of today that this has been a challenging day in so many ways. I just want to let you know that we're going to have this altar available if you just want to come and pray. And you just want to either pray on your own or to pray with someone, we're certainly going to be available to you. But as we sing, let's just say yes to what God has told us to do, where he has told us to trust him. In Jesus' name.